Saints, we are thankful to God for every blessing that he has so freely showered upon us. He is the shepherd and the bishop of our souls, and we are thankful indeed that he guides us, as Psalm 23 says, to green pastures. He will guide us today in the green pastures of his word. May our hearts and our souls be filled today from his word. Now, brothers and sisters, as you know very well, we are in Mark chapter 3 in our series on Jesus, the suffering Savior of sinners. As we are preaching verse by verse through the gospel of Mark, today we come to chapter 3, verses 13 and following. Here in Mark chapter 3, at verse 13, we have an important turning point that is happening in the ministry of Jesus. Up to this point, the only disciples who have been named uh, are Peter, Andrew, James, and John. There are also a number of other disciples who followed Jesus, but they remained nameless until now. In fact, there were many disciples, uh, converts to Christ, who were following him by now. And as we have uh, just seen in the previous verses of Mark's gospel in chapter 3, that people were coming from everywhere to see Jesus, to hear Jesus, hoping to touch Jesus and to be blessed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there were many who were following him. But up to now, we have the four names of the four men whom he reached out to initially early on and called to follow him, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Jesus will select those from among his followers now whom he will personally disciple and prepare for spiritual leadership. And that's what takes place here in Mark chapter 3, verses 13 and following. These 12 men were called out from among the called, called out from among the called. There were many whom the Lord had called and invited to trust him and follow him. (coughs) Excuse me. But here, Jesus will select 12 men and each one of them will be named men who he calls out from among all those he had called. 
Mark chapter 3, verse 13, from the New American Standard Bible. And he went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the 12. And he appointed the 12. Simon, whom he gave the name Peter, parenthetically, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, parenthetically, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Pause right there. When we look at verse 13, beginning here at verse 13, and his appointing of the twelve, let's walk together carefully and closely and examine a few important spiritual truths that we can apply to ourselves in various ways. Verse 13 says, and he went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted. Now pause right there for a moment. He went up on the mountain. So what we see here at the very beginning of verse 13 is that Jesus purposely goes onto the mountain away from presumably all the crowds and the throngs of people following him to get away from the hustle and the bustle of the messianic ministry that he's involved in all the time, goes up on the mountain and has a mountain retreat there, if you will, turns the mountain into a place of retreat for him and for those whom he wanted. This tells us that what Jesus is about to do here is intentional, by design, purposeful, not accidental, uh, not happenstance. No, he goes on to the mountain in order to take a retreat away from the crowds and all those to whom he's been ministering and all those who were looking for him all the time, day and night, it seemed. And in this mountain retreat, he called for, summoned specific individuals. Not everybody. He didn't call for everybody. He called, the scripture says here in the New American Standard Bible, he summoned those whom he himself wanted. Not only did he invite them, 
he summoned them to come to him. (laughs) And the Bible tells us here in verse 13 as well, and they came. They answered his summons. They responded to his call, to this mountain retreat, if you will, wherein he would um, appoint the 12 as they would come to be known uh, from this point on. He summons them. Where does he do this? Because he knows whom he has determined uh, to become leaders among the crowds and the throngs of those who were his disciples. Now, of course, not everybody who was following Jesus had become a true believer and a disciple. But by this time, no doubt there were a significant number of people who had become true and genuine believers in the Lord Jesus, even if they didn't understand and know everything uh, that was to come. They trusted Jesus, they believed, and they followed him. And of course, among those would have been Peter, Andrew, James, and John. But people who trusted and believed in Jesus genuinely and legitimately, they followed him uh, in faith. And they were witnessing what he was doing and being impacted by the power of his word, and his works. The 12 of them he summons to himself. You know, this reminds me that the calling of God is just that, God's calling. It's God, it's the Lord here summoning those he wanted those he had decided and determined to appoint uh, for the purposes that will be stated very clearly here in just a moment. And they came. He appointed 12, verse 14 says, 12. And here's the purpose for why he appointed them. So that they would be with him And that he could send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons, according to verse 14. He appointed 12. 12. What's the significance of 12 here? He summoned 12 men to the mountain retreat as it were, and appointed them, 12 of them. 12 reminds me, among other things, of the 12 tribes of Israel. For you see, Jesus is the new Israel. And the disciples here, the the 12 that he appoints, Uh, are reflective of the 12 tribes of Israel, you see. Jesus would come into the world and do 
he would accomplish what ancient Israel had failed to do. God had referred to ancient Israel as his son. For example, in the book of the prophet Isaiah. But Israel had failed. The people, the ancient people of God, called by God and summoned by him from ancient Egypt, saved by him through the Red Sea, which the exodus uh, from Egypt and through the Red Sea is the greatest salvific uh, event in all of the Old Testament. But Israel had failed the Lord repeatedly because of its, because of their disobedience to the word of God. And so as a result, they wandered in the wilderness uh, for four decades before they entered into the promised land. Now, let's, let's look, look back just a moment at where we've been uh, in Mark's gospel story, because Jesus, the son of God, was also in the wilderness like ancient Israel was. But unlike ancient Israel, Jesus obeyed the Lord when he was in that desert place and tempted 40 days and 40 nights by the devil. The 40 days and 40 nights reflective of the 40 years that uh, ancient Israel spent in the desert. And the whole generation of those wilderness wandering 40 years had failed and all of them except uh, two, all of that generation who was above 20 years of age died in the wilderness because of their failure to obey the word of God, you see. Jesus, by contrast, went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, and he obeyed God in the wilderness, as we saw in Mark chapter 1. So Jesus comes into the world, and he does everything that ancient Israel failed to do. Here he appoints 12. And Jesus, um, if you remember in the Old Testament, it was Jacob the patriarch uh, who would become the name Israel. And his 12 sons would become the 12 tribes of Israel. And we, we know the failures and the foibles of Jacob the patriarch. But Jesus does what Jacob, the patriarch, was unable to do. He accomplished what Jacob, the patriarch, did not. And here, Jesus, the great patriarch of the church, if you will, will choose 12 men. And it's it's, it's a reminder of the 12 tribes of Israel. These men are 12 Jewish males, by the way. All 12 of them are Jewish males. None of them are Gentiles, so far as we know. They're all Jewish males. He appointed them, the Bible says here in verse 14. So, a couple of things 
to recognize about this. He did not call them to volunteer. He appointed them. He first summoned them. He didn't ask them to come. He told them to come. He appointed them. He didn't ask them to volunteer. He told them what he had summoned them to do and told them what he was appointing them to do. They were being appointed so that they would be with him and he could send them out to preach and to exercise authority to cast out demons, you see. That's their purpose, according to verses 14 and 15. What is Jesus doing here? Well, he's calling, summoning and calling and appointing the first preachers, because that's what the scripture says here. For not only would they be with him, meaning that they were to accompany him, but that he would send them out to preach. This is the first calling of gospel preachers, 12 men. Now, I want you to notice something else here. First of all, it says, so that they would be with him, with him, that they would accompany Jesus. And they had already been following him. So in that sense, they were already with him. So in what sense is it meant here that they would be with him? Well, in this sense, it means in a special uh, appointed capacity, you see, that they would be with him. As I said earlier, they would become known as the 12 from this point forward. And for the remainder of time, they would be known as the 12. Uh, They would even still be referred to as the 12, even after Judas Iscariot um, is is no longer around. We'll come to him later. <laughs> but that they would be with him. With him in a more important capacity than they had been. For they had been following him as disciples. But that they would be with him in ministry now. They would be ministers of the gospel and the word of God with the Lord Jesus Christ. I can think of no higher calling for humanity. I can think of no higher calling for a man than to be called by the Lord and summoned by the Lord to be with him in order to minister the word of God, to preach the word of God, and to expel demons. Here they are. These are are the 12, not only disciples, but 12 apostles, as they will be called. But first of all, they would be with him, not only as disciples, but also in ministry in service, in leadership. They would become his under-shepherds. They would lead the people and shepherd the people and teach the people 
under the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is this is some of the significance of what it means when it says they would be with him. They not only would be identified with him as disciples and followers of Jesus, but they would also be with him in ministry and service for the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. They would be the appointed leaders, if you will, of the of in the kingdom of the Lord and in his church. Now we know, brothers and sisters, <clears throat> that at the end of this, one of them who was with him was not really with him, <laughs> Judas Iscariot. But as I said, we will come to him a little later. But that he could send them out to preach. Ah, he would send them. They were not self-appointed. They didn't call themselves, nor did they summon themselves. They were appointed by our Lord. And sent out by our Lord. In fact, the word apostle means at its very base, uh, one who is sent, one who is sent out. And this is why they uh, would become referred to as the apostles, because they were uh, the first ones whom Jesus summoned and called to be sent out to preach, you see. This, this, this indicates for us the things that are priority to Jesus, the things that were priority to him then and that are still priority to Jesus now. Number one, that they would be with him. Number two, that they would be sent out, that he would send them out to preach. The preaching of the Lord's word is priority with the Lord himself. The preaching of the word. Brothers and sisters, this is why in our congregation, the preaching of the word is central uh, in worship for us, you see. Because the preaching of the word is when God is speaking to his people through his word. These men were called by the Lord to be with him first and then to go out and preach, that he would send them out to preach and to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. Preaching is central to the messianic ministry of Jesus. Preaching is central to Christian ministry and to the Christian, uh, to the work and the labor of the Christian church for it is for it was through jesus preaching uh that people were saved and it would be through their preaching these 12 it would be through their preaching and through their witness of the word of the gospel uh that that after jesus uh has risen from the dead and ascended back into heaven it would be their preaching of the word Uh, that would spread throughout the Roman world 
and eventually throughout the world and call and claim many souls for Christ from one era to the next, to this present day and even beyond. Send them out to preach. Listen, it'll be with him first. That's the first priority reflected here, <laughs> but also that he could send them. We who have been called by the Lord to preach are sent by the Lord. We do not send ourselves. We cannot send ourselves. If we send ourselves, the Lord isn't going with us. No, the Lord sends us to preach and to teach and to communicate and to propagate and to proclaim the word of God. Not only that, brothers and sisters, as we can see here, they were they would be called to preach, but also to have authority to cast out demons. Now, there's a very important connection here that in my experience of, well, 35 going on 40 years of the ministry of preaching and teaching and leadership in the church, um, there are many people who think of preaching without understanding that preaching carries with it a certain spiritual authority. Um, Many people in the church, in the pews of the church, seem to think, or at least they act and behave as though, that preaching and the preacher uh, is just another hired hand, if you will. Just another public speaker, someone who, uh, you know, uh, can speak well enough to keep my attention long enough for me to stay. Uh, because he's funny or because he's witty or whatever uh, the, the, uh, the, it may be in somebody's mind. Um, and that's it. But no, there is, there is an inherent authority constituently woven into the ministry of preaching. Now, some people don't want some people don't like listen. Some people who call themselves Christians, which I question in this instance, some people who call themselves Christians that don't like to hear preachers who preach with authority. I I've got a serious problem with that because they completely don't know the New Testament evidently <laughs> and what the Bible teaches about these things. Their preaching would carry with it a spiritual authority and spiritual authority of such a nature that that authority could exercise the demons out of people's lives. Their preaching, the preaching to which Jesus had summoned and called them and sent, and would send them to do, would have such power such effect, and such authority 
that the demons that had strangleholds within the lives and the souls of people would have to let go of those people. That they would do some of the same things that they saw our Lord do in person. For example, when he um, cleansed the demon-possessed man in the synagogue at Capernaum. Uh, and what scripture tells us in chapter 3 of Mark here, that he, uh, the demons would see him and cry out, you are the son of God, and he would tell them, be quiet. He would command them to shut up. And they would back down and shut up. Why? Because of the authority of the Lord. They would be sent out to preach by the Lord himself, who is the ultimate authority. And because he would send them out to preach, they would have authority. And that authority would be applied in any number of ways, not the least of which authority to authority to tear down the strongholds of the devil. A light shining into the darkness and the darkness being unable to comprehend it, to fight against it. Their preaching came with authority. That's because they came with the authority of the Lord Jesus himself. And so it is. Though today, I am a firm believer that there are no more apostles in the sense that these original 12 uh, were designated apostles. There are no more apostles in that sense. But yet, uh, yes, there are many who are still sent out. But I would never... Uh, refer to myself as an apostle, not in the formal sense of the word. Uh, these men were the original ones who were sent out by Jesus, appointed by Jesus himself. They were the original apostles. And listen, by the way, when Judas Iscariot uh, goes off the scene, he would eventually be replaced by a man whom the Lord Jesus called to salvation and to apostleship in person in Acts chapter 9, the apostle Paul. More on that uh, at a later time as well. But my point here, just for our purposes today, is that these uh, original appointed 12 stand in a class all by themselves, so to speak, because they were personally appointed by the Lord to be with him, for him to send them out to preach, and for them to have authority to cast out demons, to do as they had witnessed Jesus himself doing. And so they were given what we would call apostolic authority, you see. Now, for those of us who have been called to preach by the Lord Jesus Christ, and set out, of course, to preach by the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not apostles as these 12 were, but we are 
called, summoned by the Lord, and sent out by him to preach the word of God and to preach with the authority of the Lord's word and the authority of the Lord's word with which we preach will dislodge the demons from the lives of people. Listen, brothers and sisters, let me say this also, because it's so important as a matter of practical application. Faithful pastoral preaching will not allow, faithful pastoral preaching of God's word, will not allow people to stay as they are because the authority of the word of God will not allow people to stay as they are, will not allow people to hang on to and harbor their demons forever, endlessly. But listen, the preaching of the word of God will dislodge all the demons that we struggle with from our lives. Either the demons will be dislodged or we will be dislodged. (laughs) What do I mean by that? Well, people who refuse to allow the word of God to dislodge the demons from their lives, those people will dislodge themselves and go somewhere else. Because the heat of the word, the authority of the word is too much for people to stay like they are indefinitely with their demons. Hmm. It's true. Perhaps you've not thought of it this way. But the preaching of God's word, whether on Sunday morning, first and foremost, as a matter of top priority, and the faithful teaching of God's word that emanates in many different ways from that pulpit ministry on Sunday morning, the word of God has the authority when preached and faithfully taught, authority to overcome the demons in all of our lives. You don't have to be saddled and stricken with whatever the demons are that you're struggling with. Now, I know that I'm I'm using demons in a broad sense there, but here the scripture is talking about literal demons. And yes, I am including with it literal demons. Malevolent evil spirits in cooperation and cahoots with the devil himself to bring about the destruction and the self-destruction of human beings, human lives, and human souls. It's it's the preaching of God's word and the authority that comes with it. The Lord gave, listen, the Lord would send them out to preach and in so doing, give them authority. God will never send a preacher without divine authority. If God sends the preacher, the preacher comes with divine authority. Now, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, really doesn't matter in the sense that God, every preacher that God sends is sent with the Lord's authority. It's not our own inherent authority. We don't have authority in and of ourselves as as human beings saved by the grace of God. No, the authority is in the Lord himself. And our coming 
to deliver to you the word of God is in is is because we've been sent by the Lord to do it with the authority of the Lord. You know, when I came to Montrose as the pastor in 2007, I discovered that there were many people who had a problem with this. Um, It was as if they wanted me to be the preacher, but without authority. And that simply is not possible. According to the teachings of the New Testament, according to the teaching of God's word. Old and New Testament, the prophets whom God sent, he sent them with the authority to declare and proclaim, thus says the Lord. But there were many people who had a problem with that. They had a problem with it because of my race. In some cases, they had a prob- there were some who had a problem with it uh, because of theology. Yes. Uh, the race issue is a theological one also as well, believe it or not. But but because of theology, because they had a they some people had a bad theology that somehow or another the preacher was perhaps to be some sort of a Boy Scout or something, or some sort of an entertainer, uh, you know, or, or like other public speakers, if you will. Not so when it comes to those of us who've been summoned and called by the Lord and sent by the Lord to deliver the authority of his word to God's people. And so over time, there were a lot of people who just could not stay. Not if they were going to hold on to whatever their demons were. He would send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons, you see. Now, brothers and sisters, as, as has already been acknowledged here, we're talking about preaching. We're talking about the preaching of God's word, the expounding and exposition of scripture. One of the things that I have always believed in as a pastor from the early years of my preaching ministry, and I've been preaching since 1982. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, this July will be 40 years in the preaching ministry. But listen, uh, from early on in my preaching uh, ministry, um, the Lord showed and taught me that the closer you stay to scripture when you're preaching, the more faithful your preaching will be. And I thank God for the privilege and the blessing of the Lord leading me to schools and theological institutions uh, that prioritized what I call expository preaching and what is referred to as expository preaching or biblical exposition. Because what I learned as a student uh, in Bible college and in seminary was how to properly expound the word of God, how uh, to help to make the scriptures come alive for people by explaining the scripture to them in a way that they can understand 
with divine authority from the Lord. And so, in my definition of preaching, it always involves the Bible and the scripture as the center of preaching uh, the word of God. Now, there's some people who preach and their view of the Bible and the way they think about the Bible is a lot looser and less important. Uh, but not, I don't believe in that. I don't believe that what the, the Bible, listen, by God's grace, what I'm going to always preach to you is straight out of the Bible as the divinely inspired word of God. That's what I'm preaching. That's what I'm expounding. That's what I'm explaining because the authority is in the word of God. And the word of God has the authority to redeem, to transform, to bring to repentance, to clear out, to cast out the demons from our lives. Only the word of God, I always say, has the power to accomplish the work of God in the souls of human beings. You see, it was the word of God in the gospel preached that brought me to faith in Jesus Christ um, in June of 1980 when the Lord saved me. It was the preaching of the word of God. And so I have believed from the time I began preaching the word of God, and was licensed and later ordained to preach the word of God, that preaching the word of God has to involve first and foremost the scripture, the Bible, explained clearly, thoroughly, and with conviction in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. Therein is my authority. Herein is our authority to preach and to proclaim God's word. If I moved it up and, and preached something else, well, then that, that's not the... <laughs> no, 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 that... that 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 does not have the authority that the preaching of the word of God has, you see. And so, listen, brothers and sisters, preaching inherently involves spiritual authority. Now, <clears throat> we have here at this point Jesus summoning 12 whom he appoints, not only to be with him, but to, for him to send out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. Look, look at this also. What good news is it? It's great good news that God has given the authority to the authority of the preaching of his word, the authority to dislodge the demons from the souls of people. And to dislodge the demons from the lives of people through the preaching of God's word. What goes on on Sunday morning in the preaching event is a huge spiritual reality. It's not just a human physical audience listening to a human physical preacher speaking. 
Oh, there's so much more that goes on behind it, um, that goes on in the unseen. As a matter of fact, uh, at any moment, while the word of God is being preached, there is a battle for your mind going on. There is a battle for the human soul going on. It's a spiritual war going on as the word of God is going forth into so many of the dark cracks and crevices of the souls of people with the searchlight of God's word to search out sin and to remove it, to search out those demons that have strongholds deep within us and eject them from our souls. Spiritually speaking, you see. But literally, nonetheless. This isn't a mere physical exercise. This is a spiritual exercise, which is nonetheless real. It's not a figment of our imaginations. It's real in the spiritual realm. You see. The word of God. Overcoming the darkness in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. Overcoming the confusion. Overcoming all of the sin, whatever you want to call it, fill in the blank. The word of God. Overcoming by the divine authority of God's word. By the power of God's word. Overcoming the strongholds and the strangulations of sin in our own souls. Just by us listening to and submitting to the word of God preached and taught to us. It is the most powerful event that takes place in the life of the church. Which is the reason why it is central to our worship. Why? Because it's God speaking to us. And into us, into our hearts, our souls, our minds, and our lives. And God speaking to every one of us at the same time about each one of our individual beings and situations at the same time through the mouth of the preacher. In other words, let me put it this way. There may be 50 of you listening to me preach the word of God right now. And I'm preaching the same word of God to each and every one of you. And God is speaking his word to each and every one of you through his mouthpiece, the pastor. But not only that, God is speaking individually to each and every one of you through his word. Through the same word that every one of you is hearing right now. Yet God is speaking to each and every one of you individually, even though we're all hearing it collectively, speaking to each and every one of you individually, because God knows everything about your individual soul and your individual life. And he's speaking specifically and individually to your heart, to your mind, and into your life right now. It's an amazing and miraculous spiritual occurrence that takes place through the preaching of the word with divine authority.
<laughs> That's why some people struggle with it. Because they don't want to hear it. Because they want to hold on to their sin. They want to hold on to their demons. They turn their struggles into little idols that they've come to worship and they won't let go. They don't want to let go. So they don't want to hear it. And so they won't stay. Let that never be said of you, my friend, whomever you are, under the sound of my voice, hearing God's word today delivered to you and to your soul. Let this never be said of you. Let God's word have God's way in your life. Let God's word do God's work on your soul. You see, what we're doing, another way of describing what what we're doing, what the pastor is doing, what the preacher is doing on Sunday morning, it's spiritual surgery. But it's actually the Lord himself doing the surgery through the preaching of his word. Surgically, spiritually, surgically working on the souls of each and every one at the same time, and yet individually. After all, each one of us has different issues going on within our own souls. And yet, the Lord Jesus, through the preaching of his word, is doing spiritual surgery on each and every one of us. Be still now and let it work. Be still. Stop squirming. If you're squirming because of the conviction of it, the only way to deal with the squirming is to surrender. (laughs) Some of you get to squirming under the conviction of the word of God, but then you fail to surrender. No, when you start squirming under the conviction of the word, that means you need to surrender. And when you surrender to the teaching and the truth of God's word, you're allowing the Savior to continue his spiritual surgery on your soul in order to make you whole. He wanted them to be with him so that he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. You know, there's an old prayer that we used to pray when I was a very uh, young believer in a naturally a training deacon, training as a deacon in the church as a teenager. Uh, Some of the old saints used to pray and I learned to pray it as well. Lord, turn the searchlight from heaven on my soul. And if you find anything within me that is displeasing to you, oh Lord, remove it now, I pray in Jesus' name. Let this be all of our prayer in Jesus' name. Father in heaven, turn the searchlight of your word upon your people, upon our souls. Continue to do your spiritual surgery within us, even though by now the sermon is ending. May the surgery continue within our souls. The spiritual surgery that you have begun by your grace. The spiritual surgery that you have begun by the preaching of your word. 
Father, may each and every one of us take these words that we have heard from verses 13, 14, and 15 of Mark chapter 3. Take them to heart. Allow your word preached to do surgery within our souls. Every Sunday and every day that we are that we, that we hear the preaching and teaching of the word of God, the Holy Bible, the scriptures. Thank you, Father, for this privilege you've given to us. Thank you for this privilege of spiritual knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that you have given to us. For there are so many, Father, who have no clue or understanding of the things that we've shared today, even though they call themselves Christians. Father, we just, we just thank you for your mercy and grace to us. And in your mercy and grace, oh God, may we be obedient in response to your mercy and grace. May we be obedient to your word. May we be obedient, oh God, to the calling that you have placed upon our lives. Not that for most of us you called us to preach or summoned us to preach, but oh God, that you have called us not only to salvation, but to service. May we be found faithful as your servants in the place where you have called us to be and to serve you. Lord, as these men responded, obeyed to doing what the Lord wanted them to do, may we Take from that, that we need to obey everything that you want us to do daily as your children. Thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy upon our church and in our lives. And I thank you, Father, for the privilege of the calling that you have given me to preach your word with all of my heart and with all of my soul and with all of the prayers that I could muster, preach your word to your people Sunday in and Sunday out for now nearly 15 years. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your calling way back in 1982. Thank you, O oh God, for the privilege. May I be found faithful unto death and may we all be found faithful to you may we be faithful unto death through jesus christ our lord and in his name we pray we pray for the salvation of sinners and the strengthening of the saints amen